This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, Winning Plays back yet again as we enter the NBA dog days of August. <laughs> My name is Brian Robb, joined by Sweet Chichirata of Mass Live. We're brought to you here by FanDuel. And Suichi, we, we did it. We got to August here. The, uh, the NBA <laughs> is at as close to a standstill as you're going to see. Um, and you're getting to experience it for the first time in Boston after what was a crazy last two offseason. How does it feel? How does it feel to have uh, things slow down a little bit? It feels great. I have been telling all my friends this summer about this moment, and it's funny because I was just at, so I was at just at AAJA, which is the Asian Journalist Association convention and everything, and people were like, yeah, like Celtics beat, like you've been on it for two full seasons now, and I'm like, yeah, it's been great, but it's just, I've always, I like, I explained it to like, like, I feel like a dozen people, like, it feels like I've aged dog years in terms of like NBA beats, just because like, we were out the first big news of my Celtics beat tenure was uh, Brad getting promoted and Danny stepping down. Right. Then a finals run happens the very next year. Oh, uh, in, in between all of that, like a very miraculous, not miraculous, but like a very impressive second, second half story of the Celtics becoming just this juggernaut. And then the EMA stuff happens, then another East finals run. And you're, and I just, it's been a lot, right? Like I feel like I have friends on other beats of like teams that don't make the playoffs and they're just chilling in April. And like that's when we're like grinding, uh, deep into May. So <laughs> it's been fun though. I have to say, like it's been, I don't know if this was how I expected it to go down when I took this shot, but I, you know, I was like Celtics feet, a lot happens on it. And uh, a lot has happened the past, past couple of years. It really has a lot has happened this off season, but the Celtics luckily got their work done early here, whether it was mm-hmm. the Chris Ass Porzingis trade. Uh, and then obviously last week, Jalen Brown officially signed his Supermax extension. We heard from him at a cool uh, press conference at MIT last week. And then we also heard from Joe Mazzulla last week um mm-hmm. for the first time since the Celtics had made most of their offseason moves and you had a piece this week yeah you know, he talked about a bunch of stuff this year um coming up for this year and you wrote a piece this week at Mass Live about him talking about you know the fit with with Porzingis and Tatum and, and Brown this year so I mean I guess initial impressions on that in terms of you know Joe's comments and what stood out from you with him talking about that and just um you know other things he kind of hit on this week yeah, and uh, it's a little bit of Joe and a little bit of Jalen, and, and my impression of that was Jalen kind of unprompted a little bit, right? Like, I feel like with a Supermax extension press conference, like, you're not really getting into the weeds about the team, but Jalen brought it up himself about wanting to kind of refine that defensive identity, right? Like, I remember after Game 3 against the Heat, the Celtics kept talking about how they kind of lost that defensive identity. So Jalen bringing it up unprompted I thought was interesting, uh, especially when you consider like Marcus Smart is gone and Grant Williams is gone, right? Like those are two guys where like they're down and like they're not afraid to get a little ugly, a little, you know, a little physical and all those kinds of things. So you're losing two two big pieces in that regard. So I thought that was kind of interesting in terms of what Joe said about the fit with Jason and Jalen, though. Like I think that's kind of your core, right? Going forward, like 
Porzingis is locked up for a few more years. Obviously, Jalen is. Jason's going to get his Supermax next summer. So you're you're looking at those three guys and how they fit. And I feel like you you got to like it, right? Like you, you got two wings who can go score the ball. Um, and you got Porzingis who can shoot the ball and, and is, is a big-time rim protector. At least he was last year. So I think you look at those pieces, you feel good about it. And then you just kind of – I feel like for the Celtics, like you just kind of have to hope for the best at this point. Like – you have you're gonna get another shot probably in the playoffs as a contender and and you're just hoping in my opinion be Rob at least like I just think Jalen and Jason just need to elevate their game to superstar like like championship level play right and like obviously Jason struggled in the 2022 finals against the Warriors like I just think you need to like he just needs to take over like one of these superstars and and if you're gonna win at all and I I just think that it boils down to that like the fit and all that kind of stuff is obviously very interesting to talk about and important to talk about but but at the end of the day, like it comes down to Jason and Jalen, I think. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's like, I agree with you. It's fascinating to hear Jalen talking about, you know, the defense stuff, like getting back to that when, like, adding Porzingis on paper, that's like an offense first move. Uh, even mm-hmm. though there are underrated parts of his game defensively, perhaps, like, this is a move to make the Celtics like an offensive juggernaut and then, you know, have mm-hmm. good size at a lot of positions, but certainly. Uh, a couple of spots on the floor where teams can easily attack, whether it's the pick and roll or whatnot, by going around Porzingis in the past. Whether he can kind of clean up that part of his game um, to make them still be what like a top five defense, I'm sure is is the goal with this group for this year. That remains to be seen. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with Jalen Jason, it's you know no more deferring to Smart in big moments, or like not even referring <laughs> to him like no more Smart taking over in big moments by mm-hmm. his choice. Like this is like, <laughs> and, but it is, I think like, in order, there has to be a degree of chemistry. And I was funny, like I was watching, you know, the, you, you go down into the, the weeds this week, you know, some deep rabbit holes this week and someone randomly posted <laughs> a, a, a clip of like Luca and Porzingis playing together in Dallas and they mm. were, and it showed, it was a compilation of all the times that Luca didn't pass to Porzingis. <laughs> like when he opened and just took a, sh- a jump shot himself it was like like a five or ten minute clip because those there were rumors of like chemistry issues between those two at the mm-hmm. time and then you can kind of see that so it's gonna be fascinating to me seeing like okay like we go now into this year like tatum like everyone has their money everyone should be happy here so how how quickly does that you know trio collectively you know, meld together well, you know, play off each other well, or is it going to be like mm-hmm. a clunky fit? Like, I, I, like, I don't like, I, it should be great, but it, it, that, that's the question we're going to be, you know, waiting a few months to dive into here. Yeah. And I just think my, I guess my big question mark still after the smart trade is like, what does a playmaking look like as a team? Just because obviously we're talking a lot about these three players and then Jason has improved in that area. Jalen is kind of, he is kind of what he is, right, as a scorer and a playmaker at this point in his career. He's already 26. You'd hope, you know, the assist-to-turnover ratio gets better, all those things. But it's just, right, like, and we're talking about Joe's comments a little bit, like Derek White as a starting point guard, right? Like, Derek, you know, love him as a player. Uh, He showed what he can be when he is that point guard. When Marcus was out, he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. All these good things. I'm still curious, though, to see how that playmaking aspect looks like as a team because, right, like I just – if Smart wasn't your best playmaker, he was at least top two in my opinion. And so how how does that look like next year just because you don't – right, like obviously like you said, Jason and Jalen, like there's no more deforming to Marcus in the big moments. But 
at the same time, like all those possessions before the big moments, like you just don't want to tire them out throughout the whole game and, and right. ask them to play make the whole time. So it's just, I'm still curious to see what that looks like. I think it's going to take some adjust. It's going to take some adjusting too on both ends of the floor without Marcus, obviously. So I think you're going to see the Celtics kind of work through those kinks throughout training camp, early parts of the season. But right. Like the big criticism at times of the Celtics was that playmaking aspect. I don't necessarily, uh, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that has this been addressed thus far. So I'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like uh, in a couple months here. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly a huge bit on Derek White on, on that mm-hmm. front of being like, listen, we, this is potentially addition by subtraction here with smart to a degree of terms of like the ball is going to be in Derek White's hands more. Mm-hmm. And that's a better thing for this team overall, given, you know, smart obviously adds a lot to the table, but he can also, you know, take a step back on a variety of fronts when he's trying to do too much. Or I think we saw turnover wise there, you'd, there'd be three or four times a game at times during the playoffs. You're just like, what is that pass? Like, what do you, <laughs> like, what is going on here? Where we turn to ourselves mm-hmm. each other on press row. And now White isn't a perfect player, but there, I think there are fewer of those moments. I think he's like probably better at staying in his lane more and mm-hmm. can maybe play off those guys a bit better than smart in terms of like, if you leave, now that you have Porzingis now, that's White is your your fourth option on the floor at that times. Like he can make teams pay more in that spot than than Smart could, if you will, from a you know, whether he set those guys up or he's cutting off ball or whatever. So that from that standpoint, I, the bet makes sense, but it all has to kind of, you know, what those I, I think I agree with you, like what what those guys do themselves is just as important, if not more important, than you know, how White fits into that role. Yeah, and I think in talking about Derek really quick, like he he mentioned this in talking on ESPN the other day, like point guard is not necessarily like a new, new role for him, right? Like he he's played a plenty in his career. Like he was averaging five point six assists um, with the Spurs in forty nine games before he got traded to the Celtics. So I'm not too worried about that part, I guess. And Derek throughout his career has kind of played with talented guards next to him with uh, with guys like Dejounte Murray. So it's I'm just it's at this point it's an unknown. Like Derek could be great in that role, and I, I you know I think he's one of the I think it's very fair to say he's one of the elite role players in the league. So just asking for a little bit more out of him. And I think he, he he's kind of at the point of his career where you, where you feel comfortable doing so because he has delivered so much. It is. It's, I mean, we talked about it countless times last year, like this team was hurt by having him on the bench too much. And there's mm-hmm. no, there like the eye test said that the like the, the on off stuff said that like, that was all clear. And this, if anything makes life a lot easier for Joe Mazzul on that front in terms of managing <laughs> egos, managing, mm-hmm. you know, cl- unclear decisions at times. Like, all right, who am I going to stick with in this game? What's the best combination mm-hmm. here? All this stuff should be simpler now. And, and I don't know. I mean, cause we got like Joe was, was I mean, if you talk about who has the pressure on them this season or who has like, it's great that he has, the full summer now to get ready. He's not going to be thrown into the fire as much. I think all that stuff would do well for Joe Mazzullo. But now I think the the pressure will be on him even more now because everything will be a little bit more clear cut. Though sh- there should be fewer mistakes that he can make from a lineup standpoint. So it'll be more of mm-hmm. being like, okay, can we, can he kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together here as far as the system goes and maybe be a little bit better at adapting because Obviously, the the window now is is more refined than ever, given the the, the money that's been handed out. 
Yeah, and he has like a, you know, like a full assistant coaching staff he can lead on. And it's just, right, like I just, the brain drain from the 2022 finals to the end of the 2023 East finals was just insane when you think about it. So that I just is. think he's in a he's in a much better position. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing about Derek and Crunchheim that I always found funny was there's criticism of that. And he does play a little bit of crunch time in game six of the East finals happen. So, you know, right. <laughs> sometimes the ball just, sometimes the ball just bounces your way in, in, in these karmic ways that are really funny. It is. It's itself. I mean, that play will be, will never be forgotten now, but it'll be, it's just such like a sidebar to everything that happened mm-hmm. now. Whereas opposed if, you know, one game goes differently there, then <laughs> that becomes like an iconic mm-hmm top five play in Celtics history, maybe if they uh, make it finish off that comeback. But like I said, Derek White front and center for that part, probably should have been front and center for a few other times mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And now, now we know he will be Celtics now have two open roster spots along with a couple unguaranteed spots with Finn and Luke Cornett. Luke, I mm-hmm. feel like is maybe the safest guy in the team right now. <laughs> in terms of I don't like, know. B-Rod, yeah. there hasn't been a Brad Stevens-like tweet. That's true. We're, we're still summer. waiting for that this summer. <laughs> but based on his, no, he, I, like, Brad yeah. did say he liked the big situation, which is funny. But uh, like, mm-hmm. he, he seems like that is a a safe death bet here. But there, there are some roster spots to deal with. There's still a, a two-way spot to deal with here. Mm-hmm. And we have some new juicy rumors this week, Suchi. One of your <laughs> Detroit guys is potentially weighing, oh, weighing off of the Celtics right now. Zvi Mikhailuk, I believe I said that correctly. Uh, that's how I heard it. That's how I remember hearing it, at least, which was around four years ago. Um, B-Rob and I talked about this off screen. I don't have too much of a scouting report on that. I wasn't watching. As as you might imagine, I was not watching too much Pistons basketball in 2019-20 when they were very irrelevant. Caught a few games. I was he was a good shooter then. I think he shot like 40-ish percent from three. Um, I was actually kind of surprised he was only 26, but... Yeah, I I don't really have much else to add besides that, besides the fact that he formerly played for the Lakers, as you mentioned earlier today on MassLive.com, and uh, he's mulling a contract offer, which, you know, at least is, is kind of interesting in the, as you said, the dog days of summer. Yeah, it's, he takes a lot of threes, and that's, Joe Mazzullo's <laughs> like, all right, give me that guy. I uh, know it's, it's, he's six foot seven, he's been around the block a little bit, I guess he, he had a pretty solid end of the year in Charlotte. Uh, but he's played for like six different teams in six years. So that kind of tells his story of like, mm-hmm. he's a fringe NBA player at this point. But yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it's 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 fascinating to so just in terms of where this roster is at right now. Malcolm Brogdon was another guy who, who Joe Mazzullo talked about last week. It looks like, mm-hmm. you know, he is going to be on the roster at least to start this year. Um, they're trying to mend fences there, if you will, or or he's trying to, you know, get over what was a tough situation for him. Mm-hmm. But piecing together the rest of this roster, a guy even like Banton is that's he's a very like light guarantee for him. So he might not be on the team. So they're keeping a lot of flexibility right now in terms of how they're building this roster out. Yeah. And we also still have one big name still left out there who was on last year's team and in, in the old Blake Griffin. <laughs> um who I don't know is he is he just waiting to for training camp to to, to go through for the week and then and then sign <laughs> on board here I'll, I'll ask you get get through get that's past what, the worst of the, the the drills. That's what happened last year though. I guess that was more of a Rob injury situation. Um, right. You know, B Rob, it's, it's it's I feel like with the roster, like 
it's not a bad place to be because in comparison, right? Like they, realistically, you're not giving, you know, you're not like offering a lot of money or anything by any means, especially with a salary cap situation. So, uh, you know, if you're a Celtics fan though, like you would much rather prefer to be in this spot where you're just waiting to fill out the roster versus what the Suns have, where, you know, they were able to sign some like notable names, like an Eric Gordon, shout out to my guy, Yuta Watanabe, three and potential D guy. But yeah, that's because they are like they like the Suns have opportunities for minutes and being a rotation player. Where I was like, obviously with the Celtics, like the rotation is pretty more like pretty much more or less set. Like obviously you would like, like I said, like I if I was a Celtics fan, like I would like to see like a playmaking guard or something like that, or maybe a little bit more big man insurance. Uh, though Brad, as you said, likes the big man rotation right now. So there, there they are still some get areas. another guy though. I feel like if they go, yeah, in, right. Like mm-hmm. you can say that, but I feel like. One injury and it's like becomes like oh like yeah which yeah, is yeah. almost a guarantee that there will be an injury to one of those yeah guys. but it's just I just feel like it's so hard to thread the needle of like you know like I remember when he talked to Montrezl Harrell who unfortunately tore his ACL but like I remember when he talked yeah. to Harrell earlier last season it was like they're pretty I feel like the Celtics front office is being pretty transparent in the idea of like we would love to have you as an insurance option but like just know that playing time is far from guaranteed and like. Sure, there are some veterans like a Blake Griffin where like that pitch works, but like a lot of players are going to want to be right. Like a lot of productive younger players are still going to be looking for that next contract and like making an impact on the league. So that's just a tough sell. But but like I said, you would much rather be in that situation where you feel pretty relatively comfortable with your top seven, eight, nine players versus what the Suns had, where they were pretty much forced to fill out the roster um, on better on that that minimum contracts and, and kind of go from there. Are there any free agents out there that catch your eye at all? I mean, there's we know there's like like the Christian Woods and the Kelly Ubrias that wrote out there. I feel like there's no chance they would look at the Celtics yeah. for the reason you mentioned because there's just like mm-hmm. those guys want to run their next contract and they're not necessarily going to get more than ten minutes per game in Boston. But is there a is there a below the radar guy or just someone who you're like, oh yeah, I, I've always liked kind of like that guy, like even. Not- mm. Not off the top of my head, honestly. I honestly thought Pat Bev would have been, like, a good fit. Like, I know some people don't like him, but, like, on a vet minimum, like, it's kind of hard to to say no to a guy like that. Um, It's kind of crazy to see what, like you said, what happened with Christian Wood. Like, I remember when he became a free agent with the Pistons, It was he was very much so like, a, ooh, this guy could be interesting. But, like, the league collectively has kind of been like, yeah... We don't really like what you do in terms of, like, winning <laughs> basketball. You, you know, it's just it's just crazy to see... The league kind of come to that consensus, I guess. But yeah, like I just, as of right now, no, nobody really jumps out to me, B-Rob. I don't know if you had any names in mind. No, and and to be honest, it's probably guys that are still on rosters. Like you look yeah. at like a couple of teams in the league right now that like OKC are going to have to cut like four or five guys uh, before <laughs> by the end of the start of the season. The Spurs are going to have to cut like three guys right now or, mm-hmm. or trade three guys. And so... And I think honestly, that's probably why a lot of teams are kind of waiting on moving, making any moves right now because it's like, all right, all these guys—they're out there for a reason. Um, and once we, if you're a Celtic, especially if you're a team like a Celtics that are well into the luxury tax right now, like any signing you make is actually costing the team like mm-hmm. a million dollars when you factor in like the tax penalties. So it's like, all right, we got to make sure we really you know, like this guy, or they have to be willing to come in on a non-guarantee, which is probably not a lot of guys are willing to do that yet. That could potentially contribute. So um, 
Yeah, I'm fascinated. I keep an eye on the Thunder and like the the Spurs among <laughs> other teams in terms of like mm-hmm. stockpiled young guys that maybe one of them comes free and you you make a run at one of those or you 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 trade a a second round pick for them instead of getting waived, you know. And but that probably isn't going to happen till like yeah. October or something like that. Yeah, no, it seems the Celtics I don't know if they had a choice, but they ended up with the wrong Champagne because Julian Champagne was right. tearing it up for the Spurs of Summer League. So, yeah, what's are they? Are they twins or are they just brothers? I believe they're twins. I okay. believe they're twin brothers. Um, yeah, Justin didn't have a great Summer League. I feel like right, Bira, like he didn't really no. shoot it that well. Yeah, I guess he rebounded decently, but I was kind of like it was a little underwhelming. I guess especially for a guy you were hoping you know could develop it to something a little bit. And you know, to his credit, like he. At least played a few games with the Raptors, you know, two way guy. So it was um I, I I guess I expected to see a little bit more and I was a little surprised there wasn't more. But um it was funny though, B Rob, I was talking to Will Lou, my uh my twin in Toronto, and then I, I we were talking a little bit, and I was just like, There are a lot of Raptors on this team, like former Raptors. <laughs> like Delano Banton, Brissette, Champagne. And I was like, What what what's what's Brad cooking here? <laughs> you know? Raptor South. Yeah. Um <laughs> Or Raptors, you know, further east. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. That they have, there is like a pretty long list of guys. And then even, I mean, I guess Hernan Gomez went the other way. He went up to Toronto. It's just a little yeah. back and forth uh, shuttle between those two teams right now. But yeah, it is. Uh, I agree with you on terms of Chipani. Like he just didn't, for a third year NBA guy, it's like you mm-hmm. want to see more from this, especially if he's competing for one of the last spots on the roster at a position that you're going to want some solid mm. depth at. So, um, yeah. So we'll see again. They might fill one of those spots this week. I'm sure they have a few other like feelers out there, you know, contract offers out there for, you know, for guys to just come into camp mm. and compete for it. But um, they're certainly keeping their doors open right now um, or opportunities open right now, as far as keeping mm. the roster flexibility going. Um all right, let's wrap up with this. Jalen Brown's massive uh, presser for his Supermax extension. Mm-hmm. What stood out from you from that whole experience? Um, anything he said, anything that the team said about him um, and how that's going to kind of turn around to this upcoming season? This is not basketball related, but the MIT Media Lab is pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't realize the security was so good. I met <laughs> up with a friend after and she just walked in and I was like, I'm pretty sure you can't just walk in. Like it's like a police officer here. Uh in terms of the actual basketball though, kind of what I said about the defense. Um, it was cool to hear what Jalen said about what he wanted to do with his generational wealth. Uh Brad got no questions, which he was quick to point out after the news conference, which was also funny. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It felt like a pretty typical news conference in terms of like being like, yeah, I just signed the richest contract in NBA history, and I plan to be part of this core. Obviously, things change in the NBA very quickly. Uh, he's under contract for what, six more years now, so you know that's a that's a very long time in the NBA. So, but yeah, I thought it was a cool experience. I thought it was cool for the kids, right? Like the the bridge program that Jalen did. Um, the only thing I want to add to the Jalen extension that I always find funny with these big ones, and it reminds me a little bit of like a Mike Conley, which I think was a what in like 2015 yeah like it's just the discourse around the Jalen contract and brad even said he was optimistic at summer league like it was expected to happen like everyone if you were paying attention 
expected it to happen. But then the moment it does get signed, people are like, whoa, that's so much money, blah, 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 blah. And obviously, we can debate the merits of if Jalen Brown is worth a Supermax contract and everything. But it's just, I always find it funny that this is expected to happen. Everyone is optimistic it'll happen, and it does happen. And then, like, the overwhelming reaction is still, like, negative just because it's the richest contract in NBA history, right? Like, it happens with quarterbacks at NFL, too. So I always just, I always just think that discourse ends up being, like, a little strange just because... Like everyone knows it's coming. And when it does come, there's like this, like, not necessarily to say it, it happened with Jalen, like all of the discourse was negative, but like a lot of people are like, why is he getting this much money? Is Jalen Brown worth the richest contract in NBA history? And I'm like, that's just how salary caps work, right? It's just these things keep going up. When Jason signs his, you know, Supermax extension next year, like it's going to be more than Jalen's. Like it's a nice thing for him to have for a little bit, but it's just, I always just think that discourse is a little funny. And I and I just wanted to say that just because if you're paying attention, like this was this was bound to come regardless. Yeah, the the timing of Jalen playing the worst playoff series of his career mm-hmm. was very poor for him for that. Because it is it takes away the big picture of what you laid out of being like, okay, this is once he made that all NBA team, this was gonna happen. Mm. And this was a situation where that the Celtics were happy this happened because no matter what you think about Jalen Brown, whether you think he's worth for that contract or not, like fully, like it's a hell of a lot better spot to be in than him entering a contract year right now Mm -hmm. and him having, you know, and having that uncertainty hang over the team this year, as well as the possibility that he walks away for nothing, which who knows what that road would have been a fascinating road this year Mm -hmm. from a drama standpoint. But as far as a, as far as a team building standpoint, uh, the the Celtics are would far prefer the uh, the route they've taken here. I think uh, I speak for Celtics fans and media and everybody involved, and I think we're okay without a little bit of drama for at least a little yeah. bit, <laughs> right? It's good for the content, I guess. That would have just been so repetitive, too. That just it yeah, been like... right. It was just. I mean, even last year, it felt. Hey Jalen, what do you think about next year? And he kind of gave non-committal answers, right. right? And then we had to keep talking about it for at least, you know, after January, I want to say. So I'm glad, uh, you know, I'm sure Celtics fans should be glad. And I've said this, I've said this on this pod, B Rob. I just think the narrative for players is just so wishy-washy and right. We heard in the first couple rounds, Jalen was actually better than Jason. Then now he can't dribble with his left hand. And, you know, Jason kind of went through a similar thing last year, post-final. Charles Barkley is, like, taking shots at him on an NHL broadcast. Like, I just think, right, like, some of these criticisms criticisms are fair, but it's also a product of you, you know, of the Celtics being a successful team and playing in East Finals however many times in recent years. The NBA Finals in 2022, like, when you're on that big of a stage, sure, it sucks to struggle, but, like, at least you're on that stage compared to other guys who are just watching at home and, you know, are hoping they they can't get to that stage. Uh, so it's just it's just you know, I understand that's how the NBA works. But I always just from afar, I guess I'm just kind of not from afar, but just from a from like a holistic viewpoint, I always kind of laugh at it a little bit. Yeah, short short term memories are very much a thing <laughs> in <the> NBA storylines <laughs> and criticism. But yeah, it's and I'm uh, sure. Yeah, Jalen is doing just fine with three hundred million or however many, however much the estimates say. So he he he's going to get over the next few years. Well, he seems to be enjoying his time in Japan right now. Yeah, um, you'll be you'll uh, be joining him in a couple of weeks. Um, as I don't know the, if I'll see Jalen. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you guys won't cross paths there, but um, <laughs> you guys can compare notes uh, in training. Yeah, but, 
Uh, all right, that's Suichi Shirada of Mass Live. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at S O U I C H I Tirada. Um, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, there's some stuff to talk about in August. Suichi, we're gonna we're gonna be waiting for that next two way signing. Or waiting for that World Cup to come around the corner. We got we got some we got Porzingis, we got Brissett, we got some big names suiting up overseas uh, in another mm-hmm. few weeks. But in the meantime, the hot stove NBA will have to wait, and uh, we'll be uh, ping our feet up a little bit here at the Winning Place Pod. But enjoy your trip, sir. We'll be talking to you when you get back, you, and then um, thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.